Well, happy Father's Day harvest, and it is such a delight to have you here with us. I, uh, I love the superhero dad images uh, up on the screen here this morning, and um, I've used superheroes in this series through Judges, and so I kind of thought, ah, this is a little bit fitting uh, for Father's Day here to bring a little bit of that in, and um, <clears throat> superhero dads, superhero men, um, let's remember who the real superhero is, okay? In fact, the reality is superhero men, superhero dads are all about pursuing the one that is the superhero, and uh, I just want to let you know today is... <clears throat> excuse me, on these holidays, you always kind of wonder what's, what's going to go down today, how's this going to lay out today. I, I just want to let you know that today, I, I want today to be an encouragement to dads um, and to men. Uh, ladies, you are certainly a part of this, for sure, but you understand what's going on today. And what we're talking about certainly has direct application for you as well in this. But I want today to be an encouragement today. Um, I don't want it to be one of those days where it's like, dads, you are the ultimate superhero, because the truth of the matter is we know that we aren't. We may wish that we had a real superpower, um, but on ourselves we don't. So it's not going to be one of those Sundays, uh, but it's also not going to be a dads, you are a super mess kind of a Sunday, okay? Because uh, sometimes it can be that way on these days and kind of take the opportunity to like go at you. Um, but I don't want to do that today. Instead, I want to be encouragement and a challenge to you. And, and uh, I don't want to do that in some kind of hollow, wimpy, you know, fluffy nutter kind of a way. I want for that to be based out of God's word. And, and that means we're going to go and we're going to see some truths. And we're actually going to see a bit of super messy uh, with some men. Uh, but then we're going to take that to the place of pulling out of that because it's kind of a, a let's see not what to be, uh, but let's go see what to be. So we're going to take this to men, uh, what we want to be pursuing after uh, as we are men. So for that, and ladies, as I mentioned, obviously for you as well. And here's what I'd like to do. I'd actually like for us to begin with the book of Joshua. If you could turn there. Uh, Joshua, Judges comes right after that. We've been studying through the book of Judges. We'll go there in just a minute. But at the end of the book of Joshua, chapter 4, in fact, we had gone through the book of Joshua in 2013. I don't know if you were here. Half of you were here then. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, we were going three years ago. We were going through that. Man, it seems like yesterday. But uh, going through the book of Joshua, you come to chapter 24, and you find What's going on is God has brought his people into their promised land sending base place. And God has brought them there, and now it's time for them to get established, to be sent out. And so we end the book of chapter, uh, chapter 24, the book of Joshua, we end there, and Joshua ends like the book begins. He lays out this major question, and the question in chapter 24, basically to God's people is, who are you going to serve? Who do you choose to serve? And all of God's people in chapter 24 uh, are like, we choose to serve Yahweh. We want to serve the Lord. We are going to be that. 
And it's so intriguing because Joshua in chapter 24 comes back like, what a downer, man. He comes back and he goes, I'm not so sure you really do. And he's like, are you sure? Uh, really? Because I don't know if you have it within you to do this. And, and, and are you sure? And uh, God's people all respond back and they go, we are sure. We choose. We are going to serve the Lord. And I'll tell you, the book of Joshua just ends exciting and and anticipation, and it's just like, oh, this is perfect, this is awesome, this is right where the Lord would have them. There they are, they're in their place, they're, they're sending base place, it's time to be established and, and, and get this figured out and, and get strengthened together to be a sent out people uh, to the nations, and they're on mission. And I would say it this way, it's kind of like they are saying, we are because he is. We are because he is. Now turn the page into the book of Judges. You can go ahead and go up to chapter 12. You come through Judges and you come there and basically it's, it's really sad because it picks up and I might say it goes this way. He is, but we aren't. He is, but we aren't. And it's kind of like, we are, because he is. And then you turn the page, and it's like, yes, he is, but we aren't going to be what we said we were going to be. And it's a sad picture. It's really a sad picture. God's people don't advance. They get off mission. They get stuck in and on themselves in the promised land place that the Lord has given them. And frankly, they're living like they are lost people. They are just lost. They're living like they're lost. They're living like they're doing what's right in their own eyes. And the picture of God's people on mission and has gone dark and it's grim and it's sad and it's downward. And the book of Judges gets so bad that last Sunday... End of chapter 11, we find Jephthah, a father, by the way, who ends up sacrificing his daughter, thinking it's a glorifying thing to the Lord. It's gone that bad. And then we come into chapter 12, and we find God's people Gad is now fighting and killing with Ephraim brothers, the tribes in Christ. It's a sad, sad story. And the book of Judges is basically saying to us, God's people, let's not be this. This is what happens when you become a people that does what's right in your own eyes. This is where it goes. And let me say it this way in light of today. Dads, when it goes like this, when we become dads who just do what we want in our own eyes, it goes like this. It ends like this. It moves to this. And we don't want to have that. It's super messes of what's going on. So we've been introduced to uh, these various judges through the book, and, and I want to read of three more here. We're at the end of chapter 12, and we meet three more. Uh, let me read all of them through, verses uh, 8 through 15, and uh, then we'll come back and take some look at it. Let me start with verse 7, actually. Uh, 
Jephthah judged Israel six years. Then Jephthah the Gileadite died and was buried in his city in Gilead. After him, Ebzon of Bethlehem judged Israel. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters he gave in marriage outside his clan. And 30 daughters he brought in from outside for his sons. And he judged Israel seven years. Then Ebzon died and was buried at Bethlehem. After him, Elon, the Zebulonite, judged Israel, and he judged Israel ten years. Then Elon, the Zebulonite, died and was buried at Aijalon in the land of Zebulun. After him, Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Puritanite, judged Israel. He had 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode on 70 donkeys, and he judged Israel eight years. Then Abdon, the son of Hillel, the Puritanite, died and was buried at Puritan in the land of Ephraim in the hill country of the Amalekites. And you're thinking, what does this have to do with Father's Day? God, I pray you would help us. <clears throat> you would help us see you ultimately. But first here, we kind of have to see these three guys that are placed before us. Lord, we invite you here to help and encourage us and challenge us and give us insight into who we are, but especially into who you are. And so, Lord, would you help us just to uh, take a Father's Day, scan through these three men and see some things we can learn and then take it from there and see you. Thank you for the time that we get to gather dig into your word and see you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, here we have these three guys, and I want to begin with kind of this, let's see the picture that's painted here, because there actually is a picture that's painted here with these three guys. Let's take a look at them here, and we're given four data pieces. So if you're the artist type, uh, it might be more, there's four colors that are painted telling us a bit of a story about each of these. If you're more the data guy, then there's four pieces of data here that, that this information brings itself around. Let's hit data piece number one. Data piece number one is chronology data. Chronology data. Uh, it just simply tells us of their entrance into it. It's one of the things that's really interesting in the book, actually. It may not be to you, but it is interesting, I think, for me as studying through this, is that we've had these, I'll say, one to three verse guys throughout the book. We've had Shamgar, we've had Tola, we've had Jer, and, and now we have these three guys where it's just like this little nuggets of information about these three. Every one of them begin with the literary term after him. In other words, after the guy, before, then comes this one. Uh, I'll say, with Othniel, with Ehud, with Deborah, with Gideon, uh, uh, with uh, Abimelech, with uh, uh, Samson, who we're going to be coming with here soon, uh, with all of them, that, that has more data to them, there are more than one or three verses assigned to them, none of them start that way. All these little text ones have this after him, and I'm just saying it's this, it's, it's a verse Chapter 12, verse 8, uh, after him, Ebzon. Uh, after him, Elon. Uh, after him, Abdon. What does that have to do with anything? 
It just says they existed. They showed up. They came on the scene. Hold on to that thought. Data point number two. Data point number two is career data. We find some career data about these three men, and the key term that's used here is the word judged. These were judges. We learn about Ebzon that he judged in verse 9 for seven years. We learn about Elon that verse 11 that he judged for 10 years. We learn about Abdon in verse 14 that he judged for eight years. Uh, what's the big deal about that? It's just telling us their career. But I will say this, it's telling us the high point of their career, and it's giving us information about their career. It's basically this, data point number one, they came on the scene. Data point number two given to us is they had a career and it lasted this long. Data point number three. Data point number three is kid data. Uh, does he realize he was using C's in the other one and now he has a K? Uh, I do. Uh, does he realize he could have put children there and that would have been a C point? Uh, I do, but I'm verbal. And uh, uh, chronology and career and kids' work. I'm just having some fun, okay? <laughs> just in my office. All right, I'll go on. <laughs> Key word here is sons, daughters, grandchildren. Take a look at this. Ibzan. He had 30 sons. And he had 30 daughters. I'm not getting into the whole marriage multiple wife thing. No, this was not one wife. I'm not getting into all that. And I'll just say this. This was not the Lord's design. Okay? Uh, but I'm just not going to go there with these guys. I'm going to stay in this other stuff. Ibzan, he had 30 sons. Note in the text there, he had 30 daughters. And it tells us about them. So it tells us about these sons. And then it tells 30 daughters that he gave in marriage outside his clan. If you were an Israelite, if you were a Jew reading this, there would be things that are popping all in your head on this. I'll touch on it in just a second. And then it also notes that he brought in 30 daughter-in-laws to marry his 30 sons, and they were brought in from outside for his sons. Uh, Elon, we're not told anything about children there. Uh, Abdon... Now, we're told he has 40 sons and 30 grandsons who rode 70 donkeys. Now, the point is, is that these guys had kids, but there's a bigger point here. Because the way that the kid data is given highlights something. It's telling us something about it. It's telling us, I'm going to put it this way, it's telling us that these kids were asset values to dad. It's telling us that these children were asset values to dad. It's termed that way. It's wrapped that way. But Doug, maybe this is just like family business thing. Uh, well, yes and no. Uh, one, trust me, I get the family business thing. But, but, but the other big thing in here is, as he's talking about this, is he, he, he's talking about dad's power and legacy by mentioning the kids. Uh, let me carry that on and show you what I'm talking about. Ibzan. He gives his daughters in marriage outside his clan. Why would he do that? Because we just don't get the cultural reality and even the kind of the Old Testament biblical reality. You just didn't do that very often. What's going on here? Now add to that, he brings in 30 uh, daughters outside his clan to marry his sons. What's going on? Here's what's going on. It's talking about like he's a king. 
This is what kings in the day did. Kings in the day used their children to make power legacy plays. And why would he be giving his daughters outside this way? And why would these daughter-in-laws be brought in from outside? Because I'm just telling you, reading it in the day when the writer's writing it, he knows what's going on, and dad's cutting deals with his kids. Hey, uh, ladies, let's just say your dad was a a major politician, or your dad was a big businessman, and, and, and he's putting together a, a, a big business deal, and part of the business deal is he works that out that you marry someone who's a key in making the next big business move. You are loved. Are you getting that? That's what's coming out of here in the cultural context of the day. That's the kids are being brought in to tell us about what's going on in these dads' heads. By the way, Abdon, 40 sons, 30 grandsons, riding 70 donkeys. You know, we think that the Jesus riding a donkey into Jerusalem is an incredibly humbling thing. No, no, no. Back in that day, riding a donkey into the city, that's what the conquering king did. When you won a victory, donkeys were not viewed as goofball animals. Donkeys were viewed as, that's the conquering king. Nowadays, it would be riding in on the white stallion. And so what's it being said? Abdon has 40 sons and 30 grandsons. Let me just say it this way. They're riding around like they're princes and kings. That's what's going on with his sons here. And his grandsons. Listen. The children that in the manner in which they are noted here with Ibzan and Abdon. The information that's given to us is giving us information telling us that these dads were using their kids for more power plays. Let alone the whole multiple wife thing going on. Kids were value-added assets. I will note, there is not one word in these verses about these three men in summing up their life that has anything to do with building a dynasty for the Lord. In fact, I'm spending the time on the kind of the cultural history of it because we read this and we don't understand it, but what's being declared is he was building an empire. And using his kids as part of the process of it. Chronology data, career data, kid data. He came, he had a career, he had kids. Fourth, closing data. They exited. They were died, they died and were buried. Ebzon, verse 10, died and buried in Bethlehem. Elon, verse 12, died and buried in Aijalon. Abdon, died and buried in Piriathon. By the way, in the hill country of the Amalekites. Wait, wait, wait. The hill country of the Amalekites. The Amalekites were enemies. What in the world is he being buried in enemy territory under enemy people? Why? I'll just say this. It's gotten that bad in the book of Judges. Coming off of Jephthah and what Jephthah did, and you add this information here, 
Listen, each one of these dads died. They exited. They were taken away. That's it. That's it for this time. But that's not it. But the text is saying this. They came. They had careers. Successful. They had kids. And they died. And they're gone from here. Let me ask a very honest blunt question dads if you were given one to three verses to sum up your life would that be the summation he came he had a career he had kids and he died he came had a successful career he had kids and he died There's something coming out of this to me that I'm like, is that it? Really, is that it? That's what we want to leave it at. By the way, there's a few more data points we could add. Out of Judges chapter 2, the summation of the entire period of time. We could add in this that they did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. We could add that they abandoned the Lord and whored after other gods. We could add that they transgressed the Lord's covenant. We add it all up, and it's a super dad mess. It's a super bad mess. And I'm truly not trying to take a text and cram it into Father's Day. But as I were to take this text out and I go with these three guys, that's it. Not one word about them serving the Lord. Not one word about them pointing their kids to the Lord. Not one word. Word. And that's the picture that's painted. And it's sad and it's misguided. And I'm just going to be blunt. And I actually think it's common. So, what do we make with our verse one through our one through three verse life summaries? What are we going to have that say? What are we going to have that be about? The problem here was that they were running the wrong race. They were running the wrong race. And there's a different race to be run. It is far superior and is eternal and is impacting doesn't mean you can't have a career. It doesn't mean you can't have a successful career. It doesn't mean you can't have children. But not this. Not this. Instead, I want us to see a different race. Turn with your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12, all the way to the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 12, if you're using one of the Bibles and behind the seats there, I believe it's page 1008. Hebrews Man, so many passages of Scripture we could go to, but I just want to keep it simple. And, and I think Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 nails it here in, in a nutshell. And, and as a guy, I like things simple. 
And so this for me is just a blessing and a challenge of a passage. And uh, may I be, mo Lord, might this be my and your one through three verse life summary. Not Judges 12. Let's run Hebrews 12. Let me read it. Chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run. And let us run. And let us run with endurance. And let us run with endurance the race. The race that is set before us. The race set before us looking to Jesus. Who, by the way, is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father, God the Father. Uh, Verse 3, consider him. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Let's take a few and work this. It starts by therefore. Therefore, is all, you always have to ask the question, well, what came preceding it? Because it's building off of that. Uh, what, came, what chapter came before chapter 11 or 12? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm not the smartest crayon. So, chapter 11 is, is basically called the Hall of Faith, if you will. It's telling us about uh, individuals, men and women, who went before and were faithful unto the Lord in various capacities and various ways. Not perfect people, oh my, because there's even some people listed in here from the book of Judges that sometimes I'm still not getting why they're quite in there. Um, but that gives me hope. But it says, therefore, therefore, uh, coming off of that, therefore, in light of these men and women, in light of these men and women, uh, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. What cloud of witnesses? Those witnesses. Those people. Abraham and Moses. Yeah, come on, you guys. Yeah, come on, man. Been there, done that. It's tough, dude. I'm telling you, go, 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 go. Hey, remember in the Revelation series, if you were here when we had that stadium and we talked about on the field playing the game for the Lord, the lion lambs uh, in that, and, and, and there are those who are up in the stadium who are cheering down on the field who have come before. That's the cloud of witnesses. And men, dads, and women know this. There are those who have come before that the text is telling us. I mean, men like Abraham and Moses who are like in this cheer in light of them. Man, that's an audience. I mean, you can just fill a stadium with, with, you know, just like regular people, but fill it with those kind of people. That's some serious motivation. Not alone. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in sin 
that clings so closely. We're being cheered on, and yet in that, it's like the fact of the matter is, isn't it true, the fact that just like sin and weights of things just want to drag us down and hold us down, and they're just clung. In fact, driving right in today, coming in before we parked, this is in my notes, coming in before we parked today, a wasp was in our car. I didn't know that, and went like right on my nose. That has nothing to do with anything, but I'm just saying it. And so in it, it's like there are things that want to distract us. And Karen, right after that, she's like, duck the curb. <laughs> I'm pulling back. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going out to get... <laughs> And so in it, it's like, lay aside, lay it aside. Put it aside because, friends, this is not all there is. This is not all there is. Because if this is all there is... This bite. Sin is reaching and clinging and clawing and wants to grab you and take you down because it could care less. Because remember, Revelation, we live in a war zone reality. And look at the text. It says, and let us run. I mean, this is the Forrest Gump verse. <laughs> Just run. Run. By the way, what's coming out of all this is really important to hear. Because today is not about, a, guys, man up, buck it up, muscle it up. Get tougher. That's not what this is about. This is about knowing some things and seeing some things. That's all it is. The only effort that we're asked to do here in it, if you will, in a physical way, is just run. Just run. Run where? Just run. We'll tell you that in just a second. Just run. But I'm not a good... Just run. Don't work harder. Just start running. Run knowing that there's a, 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 a cloud of witnesses cheering on. Run knowing that. You're not in the desert, you're not alone, but there's a stadium filled with a cloud of witnesses that have come before, and they're cheering on. If you get in a stadium out on the track field, I would be thinking it's like, I guess I better run. I don't even know how to run but I'm just going to start running. Let's run. By the way, not crawl, not walk, not ride, not sleep. Run. And by the way, run like it's a race. We, we, we run in a kind of a matter. It, it has urgency to it, purpose with it, intensity behind it. There's effort in it. There's steadfastness in it. It's like game on. Notice the race is set before us. Where do I run? Oh, it's just set before you. Just, just start going. It's set before. By the way, that means it's not a mystery race. And also, this is really important, it's not a behind you race. But Doug, you have no idea what's behind me in my life. No, no you're running forward. But Doug, seriously, you have no idea. No, uh, I may not. But the Lord does, and he says run forward. Let's run. 
The race has been set before us, and the text tells us run with endurance. By the way, this is not a sprint, it's a sprint and crash. This isn't a hundred yard dash. By the way, it's also not a pole vault. It's not a chess tournament. It's also not an academic classroom. It's also not a party. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. And here's the key. Run knowing there's a cloud of witnesses. Run knowing that it's set before us. Run looking to. That means you're just not running. There's something you're running after. There's something you're looking to. Looking to, face forward, eyes ahead, set before us, running, looking to what? What? That's it. That's the one we're running to. And in fact, that picture is an endurance picture. That picture follows a picture of the second person of the Trinity in Gethsemane praying, Father, is there any other way this could happen? And yet this is the picture of the one down the Via Della Rosa, men, Ephesians chapter 5, that we're to be mimicking, we're to be modeling, we're to be doing with our wives. This is what we're to be looking like. Run looking to Jesus. He is the superhero. He is the superhero. And we're running there. Doug, what does that look like? I'll just say this. Just get in God's word and get enamored with Jesus. I am just convinced that the thing that has changed my life in the past has been the thing we're coming to the place where the whole Jesus content information changes to this whole thing of being mesmerized by. This Jesus is just not this human that was like back in some time and he was like the hippie sandal dude. They're like stuck it to the leaders. Colossians 1, he's the one who created all things. He's the one. And when you begin to see Revelation 1 Jesus, the magnified, glorified, resurrected Jesus, when you begin seeing him, life changes. This doesn't become about a system. This doesn't become about things to do. This becomes about mesmerized by the creator of the universe in a personal relationship kind of way that is so magnetizing and so drawing and so unbelievable that you go, I don't even know how to run but I'm running there. I'm running to him. I don't even know what's going on to get there. I'm just running there. When that begins to happen, life becomes totally different. Cut the Jesus wiffle dust and run after him. That's it. That's all the text is saying. The text is just saying, run to him. Just run. And by the way, it's not a one moment run. It's a life run. It's a marathon run. It's go for it with intensity. Looking to him. 
Run looking to Jesus. He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. He is the one who endured the cross, despising its shame. He is the one who's seated at the right hand of the Father. By the way, run with endurance, looking to him, and run considering him. Considering him. Here's what oftentimes happens. You know, the Lord even physically has is, is created us in such a way that we look forward, but we have peripheral. I'm trying to see my hands. So, so they're like out to here. And we can have the tendency is on the, on the run to start looking to all the stuff on the side, the stuff that's going on in our day and age. It's just, this is just a mess. Or in our home. Or dads with our kids or with our career. Our career just gets, like, man, my, our career defines us. <sighs> so boring. So normal. That's just so typical. Any man can make their career their life. It's just boring. But when my eyes get caught on my career, my eyes get caught on other things going on, and my eyes don't stay centered ahead, still seeing things that are going on, but centered ahead, looking to Jesus eye to eye, and if that's not going on in your life as, as I'm talking here and just pouring out who, what's going on in me and where I'm at with this, if you're just at a place where it's like, this is just so dry, then it's time to start running because you're not running. It's just time to start looking to Jesus. Look. Because God's created us in the kind of way we want to be mesmerized. We want to. Consider him. We run considering. And then the end of verse 3, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I will just note the picture that I've tried to put out here. We don't see anything of this with those three guys and judges. And by the way, I, I need to note this because uh, the writer of Judges had no... Uh, uh, requirement on words. I mean, it wasn't like the publisher said you could only have one or three verses on those guys. They had all, they had all the room that they wanted to write about. Under the leading of the Spirit of God, they had all the room. But we're just told that information. It's given us a picture of three guys where none of this, of men running to their Savior, looking and considering him is contained within there. run. Run. Run looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus and considering him carries the idea of thinking about it. The running is driven through my view of, my relationship with, my seeing of, my looking to, my considering of, my thinking through of who Jesus is. The world needs men like that. And kids need dads like that. By the way, hear me on this. Not perfect. Not perfect. But kids need to see dads running, looking to Jesus and considering him. Oh, they need to see that. So what do we do? 
run. Let's run. Let's run. Dads, let's run. Not sit, not crawl, not meander. Men run. Looking to Jesus. Considering him. And in the weariness. And in the faint-heartedness. We continue on. Why? Because of him. Five thoughts. If you've never entered the race, you need to. If you've never entered the race with Jesus, you need to. By the way, uh, you may have studied about the race. You may have sent your application in to run the race. You may be standing along watching the race. None of those are running the race. You got the picture? I'm going to church. I believe there's a God. None of those are running the race in themselves. There comes a point in time where the shoes get put on and it's time I'm going to start running the race. And if you haven't come to know Christ as your Savior, as John 1.12 says, as many as received him, as many who entered the race and began to run to those who became the children of God. If there's never been a time in your life where you have received Christ as your Savior, to enter the race, not a 10-yard sprint, it's time. And I invite you, and if you need more information on that, ask. Secondly, maybe you're in the race and you're tired. Maybe you've gotten off course. Or you're discouraged or confused or you're lost or you're wandering. Come back. May today be a day where it's like back in the race. I am in the race. But I sat down. It's time to get up and run looking forward. Maybe you've been attacked, pummeled, mocked, shamed, hurt. Look and consider Jesus. Keep on running. Maybe you've been running alone. It's time to reach out. Time to reach out and get some help. Well, well, that's your job, Doug. No, that's yours. Speaking to men right now, locker room. No, it's your time to move it. It's your time to pick it up. And it's your time to go get some help. And it's your time to join some others on a team that's running. Can't do this alone. And guys love to try and run this race alone, and you can't. Maybe you've been running, looking to Jesus, considering him.
Let's keep running. Let's keep running. Dads, maybe your one to three verse summary would be something like this. My dad saw himself as someone surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. He wasn't perfect, not even close. But he ran the race. He didn't let the weights and the sins stop him. He ran with endurance set before him. I love that my dad ran looking to Jesus. I love that my dad ran considering Jesus. My dad got weary at times. But he never stopped running. Dads, could you imagine if Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 was the legacy you left on your children? If it hasn't been, start running. My dad isn't a superhero in my eyes because of who he is. My dad is a superhero because Jesus was his superhero. My dad was a superhero because Jesus was his superhero. Lord, I'm going to leave it there. And um, I would just ask that you would do a work. Lord, there is a race to be run that is so exciting and so thrilling and yet so daunting. But Lord, this is not about man up and muscle up. This is simply about look to Jesus and run. Enter the race and run. Looking and considering, that's it. In fact, God, some men in this room need to stop trying so hard. And instead need to just look to you. The superhero. And just become enthralled with you. And then carry that enthralled out in their life. Oh God, would you help us men? In Christ's name we pray.